Are you tired of running out of hours in the day or days in the week or even months in the year? Katie and I like to joke that the days are long and the months are short because we always feel like we're doing so much, but it's never enough time. In this week's episode of Own Your Business, I'm going to share my insights on how to free up more time to spend on the priorities for your company. I'm going to cover my number one tip to increase your productivity, why we become less effective the more we have on our plates, and six practical ways to say no more often. Own Your Business is a podcast for event professionals who want to grow with proven approaches. I'm Sam Jacobson, a sales, pricing, and copywriting expert in the wedding industry. Throughout my career, I've booked hundreds of events for millions in revenue. I've also led teams in premium and luxury markets. Now I coach people like you with my company, ID Action Consulting. It's not easy to run a business, especially if it's a business of one, because we aren't born knowing everything. Like you, I had experts who showed me the way when I was starting out and when I was ready to level up. I hope this podcast gives you the confidence to own your business. So think back to when you first started your business. Here's what it looked like for me. I had only a few clients, lots of time to work on my business, but I didn't have a lot to work in my business. When I first started doing coaching and consulting work, I had one client. That was it. One client. In the first few weeks, I was doing maybe like 10 hours of work for them, but the rest of my time, I was out hustling. I wrote like a madman, cranking out blog posts for that entire first year. I think I did like 30, maybe 40 in the first month. It was insane. I also read a lot. Katie, who was at the Four Seasons at the time, she'd go to work at like 7.30, come home at 6, and I would be in the exact same spot on the couch or even in bed when she left. She'd come home and she'd ask me, Sam, what did you do all day? And I would say, I wrote and I read. I would read entire books while she was at work. I also went out for coffees, lunches with people all over Dallas. I was trying to build my professional network in the local market. I had a lot of friends and I wanted to go out and see if I could drum up anything that would produce a client for me. One of the things that I did was I started a small business owners forum. I invited about 30 people who were in my circle and I used a common space at event venues that were friendly to me to host a conversation about what it was like to own your business as a solopreneur. Even at the start, I was interested in building a community of people like you, dear listener, because I wanted you to feel more comfortable and confident owning that business. And it's so hard to do when you're the boss. So every month I'd pick a topic and we'd sit around and we'd talk about it. I took suggestions from the group and one month, a few months in, somebody decided that it was a great idea for us to talk about productivity. Now, I'm a very productive person. My background is in operations management. Let me tell you a typical day when I was lodging director at the resort that I worked at for 12, 13 years. I was in this position for eight years and housekeeping was always a nightmare, especially during peak season on Saturdays or Sundays. We had houses, sometimes 3,000 square foot houses with hardwood floors that we had to find ways to turn over between 11 o'clock checkout and three o'clock check-in. And we had dozens of these types of units along with luxury hotel suites and historic rooms. And we only had 20, 25 housekeepers at the time. So we had to do all of this work in a four-hour window. It was tough. 
Most Sundays, I would find myself actually being the housekeeping manager, and I'd go down to the laundry, and I'd stay there at the housekeeping facility, turning around laundry, towels, sheets. I loved it. I was by myself, and it made our team more productive because they didn't want to hang out in the break room when I was down there with them. Nobody wanted to have the big boss around and make it look like they were not doing the work they needed to. But I also got a ton of work done. I'd fold 1,500, 1,800 pounds of laundry in a single day, mostly by myself. Now, when I worked at Todd Events, it was all about creating efficiencies on how to install, how to do installations with massive floral designs, and you only had a few-hour window at the venue to do it. Even in my personal life, I'm super efficient. Katie likes to laugh at me when I unload the dishwasher because I'm always trying to do it in as few steps as possible. Even today, my sister, she laughed at me and she said, are you holding like nine coffee cups in one hand? I was. I had a bunch on each of my fingers. When I mow the lawn, when I carry things upstairs in my room, I'm always doing it in as few steps as possible. I love to be efficient and productive. On the weekends, I wake up between five and six in the morning. And during the spring or summer or fall, if it's light out basically, and I'm up with the sun, if, if I have a chance, I'm creating a self-imposed honey to-do list. I love getting things done. Now, Katie's the opposite. When I wake up at five or six in the weekdays, she's up and ready to go with me. But when I'm at five or six in the morning on the weekends, she's much happier sitting in bed with a cup of coffee, snuggling with our little Sophie while she reads a book. And in fact, most weekends, she kicks me out of the room because I've got so much energy, it makes her anxious. Now, if you follow my buyer types of relator and analyzer and boss and dreamer, you might recognize me as a strong boss type. Now, I also have a lot of dreamer and even some analyzer in me, but I naturally fall into boss mode on most days. And bosses are all about action. They're all about getting things done. So when we sat down during that forum several years ago talking about productivity, I knew that I could contribute a lot. This is how I'm wired. But as a facilitator, I wanted to make sure I let others go first and do most of the talking. So I just pushed the conversation around the room for about the first hour. And then one of the members asked me point blank, hey, Sam, what's your number one productivity tip? I thought about it for a few seconds and I said flatly and quietly, say no more often. Say no more often. All of the people before me were focused on apps, CRMs, workflows. And that's normal. And those things are good. How can you make work go faster is what those things help you do. But before we try to make work go faster, we have to pick the work that we're going to do in the first place. And that means that we have to prioritize. And one of the things that we need to do when we prioritize is say no more often. One of my favorite authors, Greg McKeown, wrote, you can't say yes to the one big thing if you don't say no to all the little things. I love that. You can't say yes to the big thing if you don't say no to the little things. Now, that's from his book, Essentialism, which is really about cutting things out in life that get in the way of our most important goals. We read it for our online learning community, I think a couple of winters ago, and I loved it. Everybody did. It's a full recommendation. You should pick it up a copy or, or listen to one on your audiobook. In fact, just recently, one of our newer online members reached out to me and shared about how overwhelmed he is with work. He was having a really hard time getting it all done and wanted to know if I had any suggestions for creating better workflows. Now, I told him the same thing that I told everybody at the forum in Dallas all those years ago. Say no more often. 
As you start to plan out what will probably be a super busy, maybe even insane couple of months, September, October, even into November, I thought it would be helpful to share a bit of what I've learned when it comes to getting things done. And not just any things, but the right things. Okay, number one, reduce the amount of things you have to do before you start doing them more efficiently. One yes to the wrong thing can lead to dozens of hours of more or unnecessary stress. Let's take an example. Say a friend who's a colleague in your industry wants you to do a styled shoot. Great. You think about all the lovely photos and the deep bonds that you're going to have with all the collaborators, but are you thinking about the 10, 20, even 50 hours that you might spend on this project or the time that it's going to take and the money to cover out-of-pocket expenses? All that money means you have to work more or the hours of putting together the submissions or choosing the images to put in your portfolio. Before you commit to doing something that involves a big time commitment, you have to ask yourself, what purpose will this serve for my business? What end does this help me meet? And is that a high priority for my business right now? Or are there other activities that will help me meet bigger goals? All right, number two tip, stop scope creep before it happens. What is scope creep? Basically, it's when you do more than you originally signed up for. Here's what scope creep looks like for a business. Let's say you're a planner. You offer to send over a list of vendors for the rehearsal dinner because the mother of the groom reaches out and says she needed some help. Don't do that so quickly. It opens the door to you helping them choose some of the vendors. And then you're going to have to make recommendations. And maybe then they're going to want to have the contract reviewed by you. And then you're going to have a few details that you're going to help them knock out. And 134 little touch points later, you're going to be popping by the rehearsal dinner to make sure things go great. That's so much time out of your day, out of your week, out of your month, and you're not getting paid for it. Photographers spend more time on engagement sessions or at the weddings as a little bonus. It's a great little gift for your clients. I love this idea. But you've got to be careful not to take a bunch more photos during that extra time. Spread out the total number of photos you're going to take over the extra coverage. Otherwise, you're going to end up with a bunch more culling and a bunch more editing to do. That takes time. You may gift them an extra hour at the reception, but that could mean 50 to 100 more photos that you're going to have to curate out of 200 to 400 images that you're going to have to cull. That's a lot of extra work. That's going to take four or five more hours, not just one. That's what scope creep is. And it will kill your productivity. Here's a third way that you can stay more productive. Be okay with meeting, but not exceeding expectations sometimes. This one's similar to scope creep, but the difference is that it's self-directed scope creep. Nobody's creeping in on the scope of work, but you. Now, I worked with Todd Fiscus for a couple of years. He is an absolute genius. And one of the biggest challenges that we had with him was delivering exactly what the clients ordered. He and I would laugh about it all the time. In fact, the whole team would. Not because he couldn't meet the expectations, but because he wanted to knock the socks off of something even more over-the-top than the over-the-top design he created and that they'd bought. He'd get this big idea that he knew would be even more amazing, and then he wanted to see it happen. Clients and guests loved it. But it costs us time and money to make happen. Now, don't get me wrong about wanting to under-promise and over-deliver. I grew up in the hospitality world. That is the goal, if not the norm. 
When I worked at the resort Roach Harbor, that is what we did. Under promise, over deliver. And we still live by that principle at ID Action today. We try and do that with all of our clients. But you have to watch out for diminishing returns. Diminishing returns has two parts. The first part is that you get less impact the more you do. At some point, you get diminishing returns, less of a return for the effort that you're putting into something. Half of the effort that you do will get you uh, 90% of the result. And the remaining half of the effort will only get you 10% of the result. That's the concept of diminishing returns. So there's only so much that you're going to get back by over-delivering. The second part of diminishing returns, and this is really important, is that it's done to the neglect of other areas. Because there's an opportunity cost to doing more and spending more time on something that you don't need to. Opportunity cost is a real thing, especially during peak season or off season. Or, yeah, I guess pretty much any season. Opportunity cost means that there's an expense in the ability to do something else with the time that you're spending on this other thing. And if that other thing is getting you diminishing returns, it means that you can't get more important work done. All right, number four tip to increasing your productivity, stop with the perfectionism. One of the reasons we give away more than we have to is that we are perfectionists. Katie and I are both perfectionists, but we're different kinds of perfectionists. There are two types of them out there in the world that I've found. The typical detail-oriented person is the most common kind of person who's focused on perfectionism. This is the one we all think of. Somebody who wants everything to be perfect, every I to be dotted, every T to be crossed. Everything has to be done down to the final detail and done well, done perfectly. Between me and Katie, this is Katie. This is her kind of perfectionism. Now, the other kind is what I suffer from, and this is performance perfectionism. In my book, an A- minus is really an F. A B plus, I got to take the whole thing over again. Either it's done amazing or it sucks. There's very little in between. The key to perfectionism and stopping it from impacting negatively your work is that you must recognize it when it's happening. Ask yourself if this serves your client, your profit, your long-term business success, or is it quelling your own uncertainty, your own anxiety, your fear, your doubt, your concerns, and your worries. That's the negative impact of perfectionism. We oftentimes do it to address something that we feel inside instead of what it is that our clients want. Number five tip for getting more stuff done, and that's getting better with saying no. Now, most people are wired to avoid conflict. It's that whole self-preservation instinct that we have wired into our DNA. We have fight, flight, or freeze. And flight is the preferred action for most people. Interestingly, I'm wired a little differently. I'm actually okay with conflict when it happens. And I'll even step into pre-existing conflict to help sort things out. Here's a funny story. Katie and I have told this a few times. I don't know if you've heard it, but we were out on our honeymoon. We were in, in Greece. We spent most of our time in Crete. But we had to take a red-eye ferry from Crete back to Athens so that we could fly out a couple of days later. And we, we got on the ferry at 10 and we got to Athens at like five in the morning. It was still dark. And of course the hotel room wasn't ready for us. So we dropped our bags at the hotel and we set off wandering around in the dusk or the dawn light 
to find a cup of coffee for Katie and a cup of tea for me. And we walked into this main square that was a few blocks from the hotel. And there was this really large group of, I don't know, late teens into their 20s kids who clearly had been out drinking the night before and were just kind of closing the night down with a cup of coffee and a breakfast over at the local McDonald's. And there appeared to be a bit of a kerfuffle happening. There was a fight that was breaking out, some yelling. And all of a sudden, I saw a chair picked up and thrown. And I looked behind me. We were like maybe 100 feet away just to see that Katie was there. I wanted to make sure she was safe if anything kind of spilled out over our way. And I looked behind and she was practically trying to climb over the counter in the little concession stand that was selling newspapers and snacks. And I swear she was about halfway over and she had this terrorized look in her face. Now, I, on the other hand, knowing that she was safe, I, I instinctively leapt forward towards the commotion. I wanted to get into the middle of the fight to help break it up. That's just the way that we responded differently. So all that to say, when there's a potential conflict on the horizon with your clients, it's likely that you're going to seek to avoid it, if not jump behind your desk to hide from it. But all that avoidance can lead to saying yes to too many things you know you should say no to or compromise with a client on something that's not necessary or give away your time for free. Or maybe you bend a rule that you know will trigger some sort of negative outcome for you or your client or more work later. So instead of doing that, practice saying no. And you can do this and start with the people that you know and love the most. Start with a small request. No matter what, don't compromise on a tiny thing with your spouse, for instance. Hold your ground. Get used to that awkwardness. He or she will forgive you, I promise. And then when you get comfortable with that, Start expanding, saying no to more people on more things. Eventually, you're going to feel a lot more comfortable saying no to the bigger requests from clients that you know that you shouldn't do. All right, last tip here. Number six, know what you really want. So instead of focusing on the no and eliminating some of the work that you're committing to, think about what you can say yes to. This is going to keep you motivated and excited, and it's a bit more positive. The key, though, before you can do that, before you can focus on what you want to say yes to, is that you have to know what you actually want. You have to know what you want. You have to know that very, very clearly. Most people know what they don't want or what they did last time that they liked or what other people are doing that looks interesting. But you don't know what you want. Make it clear, crystal clear. Take some time to think about that. And then think about the three or four big moves that you have to make happen to get those things going. Once you do that, once you start with what you really want and the three or four big moves that you need to do to get those things to happen, that's how you create your daily and weekly activities. Those will just follow. Now that you've got six solid ways to reduce the amount of things that you're doing, it's going to be a heck of a lot easier to get more work done. Because you won't be so overwhelmed with all the distractions of those little things. I hope you put these to use. It's the first step in accomplishing more with your business. Boom. That's it for this episode on Own Your Business. If you've heard me on a stage or a workshop or someone else's podcast, you know I have a hard time keeping it short. But I know you're busy. So thanks for spending time with me today. You have a ton of options for guides when it comes to getting you to where you want to go. I hope you found someone you can continue to trust. If you have a friend who could use practical strategies to own their business, please share this episode with them. 
If you can't think of anyone in particular, we settle for a quick review on whatever podcast platform you listen through. 